Hello and welcome to another episode of the Koshcast on underthekoshblog.com and at under underscore the Kosh on Twitter. My name is Alex. Mahanud is here. Hello. And Bernie is here. What up, what up? It has been a weekend of football, which was very welcome after two weeks of absolute international nonsense spread COVID around as much as possible week. It was grueling, man. This was the worst... One of the worst international breaks in, in, in recent history from memory. Like, didn't we just have one like two weeks before this one? Like, mm-hmm. it was two like back to back. And then it doesn't help that these European teams are playing in a competition that I don't understand what <laughs> does, what the format is. Like, you know, if, if they said England were playing Brazil, I would accept it. Like, I just don't <laughs> know what's going on. So, yeah, it didn't help that I'm not interested in the international football as I maybe once used to be when I was much younger. I, I will say, this is my understanding of the League of Nations, right? And you guys tell me if I have this correct. Um, it's Firstly, it's the Nations League, so you got it wrong right off the jump. <laughs> League of Nations was what they did after World War One. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> World War II. Um, right. Nations League, right? It's a competition on its own. Like, you can win it, but you can also use it to qualify for the Euros... But if you don't qualify for the Euros in the Nations League, you can still qualify for the Euros in the European qualifying. So, like, what? Yes. And apparently Portugal won last year's Nations League. It's and an apparently, competition? I think so. Apparently it was good. Like, I remember we kind of had this conversation. We were like, oh... Their quality of football is not bad. But now, no, I don't, I don't even care whether it's good or bad. I just don't want it on. <laughs> I think it just feels all the more ridiculous because of the pandemic. It's like, surely wouldn't you be doing everything that you can possibly do to stop the spread of COVID? And that thing would be to cancel any international football that doesn't absolutely need to be going on. Even if even if your aim is a noble to like stop people getting COVID, at least the aim could be to keep the quality of the local leagues and not lose players, you know, you know, not lose some of the best players in the league, like a Salah. Right or something, or to be fair, when he lost it for a bit. So you know, let's let's discuss Mohamed Salah for a second because that wasn't international football's fault. Well, he was in Egypt. Yes. He, he what? What's he going to do? Not go to his brother's wedding? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> he, or, he's going to encourage his brother to not have a fucking wedding. Or he can no just stand way. in a corner. And have the Salah corner that no one can come near. Yeah, stand in the corner and run onto the song. <laughs> as it's played through. <laughs> but yeah, like you got you got a lot of examples. You had, you had that player that got that, that announced that he had COVID at half time. Yeah, who was that again? <laughs> Slovakia or Slovenia or something. Oh god, yeah. <laughs> Serbia, maybe even. I don't know, like, but it was one of those where it's like at half time, it's like, oh yeah, you can't play anymore because you have COVID. <laughs> But like, like even even forget about people just having COVID. Like some countries and their COVID policies got people in trouble. Like with Obama Yang and, and Gabon, they were sleeping at the airport because of some COVID, I don't know if it was made up or whatever, but some COVID ridiculous policy that was like, oh, foreigners can't come in or some nonsense. So you have to sleep right. at the airport. Listen, man, Gambia one two one, you do what you gotta do. <laughs> <laughs> get, get the job done. Unbelievable. But yeah, you know, it's over. I don't think there is any more international football for a long time. Thank God. Um, 
let's hope all the people that did get COVID from this international break, you know, recover okay. Um, but we had a good weekend of football anyway. Uh, Bernie, you were saying that teams like maybe had one training session before this weekend? Yeah, like the the teams that played on Saturday, um, I don't know if like people also, like if you have a Sunday game, you train on Saturday, but the teams that played on Saturday, most players, especially the ones that played in so- South America, Africa, and you know the Asian countries, they came back on Thursday because people were playing on Wednesday. So there was a Friday training session. For example, United only had a Friday training session. And I'm pretty sure Arsenal had the same thing because I don't think they trained on Saturday. So it's like, what, what do you expect to happen here? Like, you get, re- firstly, jet lag. You come back. Then you get reacquainted with your teammates again. You train on the same things. You're, tra- like you're trying to train for a specific like opponents how i don't understand how yeah honestly like what are you gonna do practice football no you just like watch some video like have them give you some information there's no way they could do drills like (laughs) like imagine like you know arsenal like trying to play leicester and figure out all the patterns that they're gonna gonna do apparently in one day like it makes no sense sorry well 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 you know who would who would disagree with the fact that they didn't have time for a game plan etc it's jose Mourinho. He would disagree. He would. Oh. He had enough ample time. Yeah, but the, I mean, we'll, we'll, we're going to start with that game anyway. So you know, but the thing with Mourinho is that he will have set this game plan up like three months ago. The players mm-hmm. would have been getting little briefing emails, you know, every three days for the for the last quarter. Um, he, he said this game plan in like 2016 when Pep joined City. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> he had this I mean, ready to go. So, you know, let's put some context. So Spurs 2, Manchester City 0. Um, same result as last time these two teams played each other uh, in February, but very different. Like last time, it really felt like Spurs just kind of got away with it. This time, City just aren't as good. They're just not as good as they were last season. And this felt, you know, as much as City had a lot of the ball and some rubbish shots, this felt very controlled by Spurs. Like... Going into this game, everyone would have been able to tell you exactly what the plan was. And Pep just walked right into the trap. It was just kind of bizarre. I mean, Mohamed, I know you have some points about Edison to bring up. And I want to, and I agree with them and I want to hear, what, hear those. But, like, this is Pep Guardiola. You would have thought he had a bit more about him than to walk straight into the trap where you all knew Jose Mourinho was going to set. He's been uninspired for a long time now. I think... We, we've said this about him. We've said the team is exhausted. Pep seems uninspired. And you're right. You would expect a little bit more. And yeah, City had the ball and they kept passing it around the 18-yard box and everything. Yes, and it was, you know, 10 men behind the ball, yada, yada. But they did not look inspired. And that's really the word I keep going back to. Because, you know, when you watch a team and you're like, okay, you tried, you, you know, you battered the other team and whatever. Spurs came back on a counterattack and scored. Okay, you lose the game that way. But yeah, they just don't look fresh. They don't look like, you know, Bernardo Silva has no, doesn't have that like little burst of pace anymore. De Bruyne is playing wide. Like, it just does not look ready for, for a while now. So, I, yeah, I, I didn't expect them to play very well today, seeing how the season went. And, and Spurs, to be fair to them, have had, I think they lost their first game of the season and then never since, mm-hmm. if I'm not mistaken. Um, and Mourinho just started to get them, play. I think he got the, balance in midfield really well now with Ndombele and Hoiberg playing. Um, and Sissoko, again, a guy that just does a job, right? You could tell him and Hoiberg were both playing kind of the cover for the wingbacks or the fullbacks. So every time 
Poirier would bomb, bomb up, Sissoko would go right back. Every time Regalon would buy. And, and Regalon has been incredible. He's been phenomenal for them at left back. Hoiberg would cover in. So he had the game plan set up, and you're right, probably from a long time ago, and it was executed perfectly. And then when you have Son and Kane up top, anything can happen. Sissoko's position isn't like a traditional football position anymore. It's just like a walking insurance policy. He just covers. He doesn't actually have a position of his own. He just covers other people's positions. It's very funny. But you're right about Reguillon. And what I wanted to mention about that is I've not seen Mares that subdued. And part of it was City weren't very good. And part of it was Reguillon dealt with him better than I've seen anyone deal with Mares in a long time. Mares did his, you know, that his chop and mm-hmm. that his chop move. And in the first half, I think it was, and I thought he's gone. Like, just, just the way his body shape was, I thought he, he's gone. And Reguillon got back into position, like, in a way I didn't expect him to. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, like, they pants Mara's face, and I was like, nope, he's, he's gone for the game. Like he's, like, he's gone. Like, that was the moment you knew Mares was not, like, it was over for him. He's like, like shit, my trick didn't work. <laughs> Reguillon is uh, very agile, just very agile. So when, when you send him one way, he kind of comes back much faster than you expect him to. He's small, he's nifty, he's mm-hmm. And that kind of works for him. And that's the kind of player you need up against Mars. But, I mean, we saw the goal that I think I showed you guys, the goal that Mars scored their international duty when he kind of flicked it with his heel. And, you know, obviously not the same level of opposition, but that's the kind of Mars that was like, okay, you know, he's, you know, this is going to be good. He's coming off that great goal. He's in high spirits. Let's see what happens. And nothing happens. And you look at these stats, like City dominated from a stats perspective, you know, shots on target, shots off target, even just, even when you look at, you know, City had two goal kicks to Spurs as 15. Right, but then the one stat is is what I think we've been talking about City for a while. Thirty eight crosses. That is, I mean, you you know what I'm going to say next. Mm-hmm. You know, KDB down that right. All he does is he literally just whips it. In. And look, it started to come true at the beginning. Was it an agenda? You, <laughs> you, guys, you guys have to admit every time he gets the ball. Now you know exactly what he's going to do. It's uninspired, uninventive. Same thing. Whip it across the face of the goal. Blah blah blah. But thirty eight crosses to who? To Gabriel Jesus? Like. No, it's just they need to penetrate centrally. They need to play the little tippy-tappy. Bernardo Silva does not look like he's up for it. Um, Foden is a much better option, but he started on the bench. I think he played quite a bit for England. But again, just uninspired, man. Nothing really happening. It's it's really uninspired. When Mars is playing, though, like he's... He, so some I saw someone put this on Twitter, and I'm, I might get the order wrong, but they were like, is it any surprise that City are not playing very well when... Um, Mares isn't as good as uh, who just left. Leroy Sane. Um, the Gabriel Jesus cannot replace Aguero. Um, he also said Silva. David. No one can replace David Silva. Yeah. There was there was a bunch of them, and you look at and con- and obviously there's no replacement for company. Fernandino. Mm-hmm. Fernandino is a good one, and you think about it, it's absolutely true. Like they have squad depth, but in terms of money, you 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 had a tweet a while back about world class players at Arsenal. And I was thinking, like, through the teams, like, who are the world-class players? And at City, pure world-class outside of KDB, who even then is a crossing merchant, apparently. Like, right now, there isn't any other person on that team. Well, not in current form. Yeah. You could say on paper they have a couple. You know, you could say Rodri could be classified as well. No, no, Rodri's not even very good. <laughs> Sterling Morris, Bernardo Silva, like all these guys are world class potential, but or know. were at least. I yeah. don't know. It might be a form thing, but on form, yes, they don't really have a world class player on form now, except maybe KDB. Maybe, but he's not even playing that well. Well, KDB is the only one that you I mean, he was the best player in the league last season. And 
one of the best players in Europe. So you could say, sure, dead cert players. Like if you say like nine times out of ten, who do I who would I put? It's only KDB. That's it. it. Yeah. Aguero was there. He's injured all the time, but that's literally it. And if you think about it, Liverpool, I would say, if you want to say right back, sure, I can Trent is world class. If you want to put center back Robertson. Van Dijk, mm-hmm. Salah, Mane is world class to me. Yep. Robertson, Alcantara, Robertson's world class. Uh, what's the goal? Uh, Alisson. Like, there's actual world class players all over the place on that team, and only one at City, and it's showing. It really is showing now. It's true. It's true. Yeah. I, I, and the thing is that, like, you have to. This goes back to what we were saying at the beginning, which is that you you have to adapt as a manager to what your players can do. And if your players aren't good enough right now or are not in form to play the the sparkling football and to get past teams and to, you know, penetrate them and, and all that kind of stuff, then you have to adapt your game plan and do something else. And look, if you're playing Spurs who are in great form and like their main thing is get the ball to, to Kane in, in space, have him turn and play, you know, these passes into Son and other runners. Like he had so much space. You've got a defensive midfielder there in Rodri. What's his job if it's not to sit on Harry Kane and make sure that doesn't happen? And it, it was just so naive from, from a team that was supposed to be challenging for the league. Let's um, let's talk about Spurs a little bit because I think they deserve a lot of credit here. Mourinho, obviously, we talked about a, a little bit, but I think the Spurs players, I mean, Kane this season, I think is a different Kane. Yep. I think I've seen this Kane before. And this Kane has kind of forced me to appreciate, you know what I mean? Like he is right now, absolutely world-class, full-rounded player, does everything there is to do, including coming back and defending, including being a defensive rock on corners for his team, et cetera. He is complete. He, this season has been, you know, unreal performance from him in the last, whatever, eight, 10 games, whatever it has been. And, you know, dropping into that space and allowing Son to run, to run past him and allowing, you know, whoever else, Lucas or Ber- uh, Bergwijn, whoever could be, was playing, I think it was Bergwijn at the start. He has been performing at a top, top, top level. Um, and this game was no different, man. He would drop into that space that Rodri would leave because City have all the possession and they're so far forward. And, you know, Ndombele ha- was phenomenal as well. Hoiberg was phenomenal. Sissoko. Ndombele is one of those players where I tweeted, I can't put my finger on him. Like, is he good? Is he not? What is he? What does he do? And it was like really fun watching him wiggle out of space and making the right pass every time to create a, an, an attack where he kind of comes out of tight space and all of a sudden Kane and Son are two on two. You yeah. Know? That's the thing. It was a lot of fun to watch these guys honestly play. And, I mean, and Dombele, sorry, Bernie. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead, please. And Dombele just, he, he's, he's such a special talent. And, and we've said a number of times this season that there aren't that many players that do the unexpected anymore or like really get you off your seat. And as you were saying, Mo, like the way that he he comes out of these tight situations, the, the areas in which they trust him with the ball, there are very very few midfielders that can get out of those those situations, and it, it's it's incredible. And like sometimes it's going to go wrong, and he's going to lose the ball, and they'll concede a goal from a stupid situation. But it, it's so cool to see when it when it goes right. I I think to Spurs credit, in what is a season that is a bit of a madness, where there are weird results all the time. Being disciplined is going to be very, very important, like during this season, right? And being able to carry out a plan and be very disciplined, know what you want to do, because most teams are going to be up and down, Mm -hmm. you know? Like, I think, I was joking earlier, but the fact that United, if they win the game, they're only going to be four points off shows you this stupid season because they've been shit. But 
that just shows how topsy-turvy it is. So if you can maintain consistency, at least in the way that you play, which Spurs have done, it will serve them really well. And let's see how, how far they can go. I think I'm surprised at just how good the Dyer or the viral defensive partnership has been. I expected them to be two fridges, <laughs> especially Dyer. And Dyer is, he's doing all right. Then again, they defend very deep. So he doesn't, like, it, it limits the exposure. That's, yes. And that's very important. But to Alex's point, uh, Mourinho realizes certain things about his team, and as much as we don't like it, will play to what he thinks is their strength. And a, a lot of times he thinks their strength, most strengths of all his teams is to sit back deep and blah, blah, blah. Okay, we might disagree, but the point is he has a plan for the team that he has. Alex mentioned that Pep doesn't do that, and that's when kind of the term checkbook manager comes out. Every time Pep has an issue, he just spends, right? But can he now get the best out of players that maybe are less motivated or maybe are not playing very well or maybe a little bit past their peak or whatever? You know, can he do that now in such a tough league, in such a tough conditions with COVID and injuries and, you know, amount of games and Champions League and et cetera? Can he do that now? This is really, you know, he cannot just lose interest every time it goes south a little bit. You know? Well, and, and that's particularly poignant because he just signed a two-year uh, two deal, right? This is, yeah. So this is going to be by far the longest that Pep's been ever at a club. He'll, he'll, he's never had to kind of revolutionize his own team, you know, uh, and build a second team. Like the, the first Barcelona team, he obviously ripped up what was there and replaced it. But he's never had to revolutionize his own team. So it's going to be very, very interesting to see how he does that. To your right. point, he's never had to revolutionize himself, right? Like mm -hmm. if you're going to be in football this long, you know, so Alex Ferguson used to play different styles all the time, especially like one year is one way, one, one year is another way. Like, so you, you can't pin him down. And now Pep has been doing this for, what, 15 years, I guess, however long. And he's been figured out multiple different times and just changed team and changed league. Now he's been here for five years. And it's like, like you guys said, we knew what this game was going to be like four years ago. <laughs> like we knew it <laughs> and Pep knew it. And I'm just, I'm stunned at just how basic, you know, they looked and how ordinary, like forget the inspiration, like how ordinary it is. Like, it's just, how yeah. does he get Kevin De Bruyne to be better? How does he get Bernardo Silva to produce what he doesn't have anymore? How does he get Jesus not to be useless? I don't know. I really right. Well, speaking of, before we move on, Alex, you, you mentioned earlier the whole Edison point. And we talked mm. about world-class players. Some people will put him as a world-class option for City. But, and this is not just an Edison no. And I, I want to say, because I tweeted about this, a lot of goals that I see now, any, a lot, just a lot across the week, are one-on-ones with the keeper and the player slots it to the right or slots it under the keeper, which is what Son did here and what Lo did. Basically, both goals were kind of slotted under the keeper and one-on-ones and whatever. It's just a lot of these goals, I believe, should never get to a one-on-one -on -one situation. If you look at where Lo hits the ball from and if you look at where Son strikes the ball from, where the ball leaves their foot, they are so far away from the goal. That, is, that should nowhere ever be a one-on-one -on -one situation. That should be keeper still on his line. When Lo Celso's running down that left side and there was a City player coming you know, to get him, Lo Celso should be taking a really hard shot at Ederson, which should never go in. You know, 10 out of 10, Ederson should make that save if he's on his line. Son, same thing, has ages to go, still has the defender, blah, 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 and he can't just roll it into an open net. It just keepers now and Ederson in this game, but keepers in general, come out so early thinking that they're closing the angle, but really they're just creating a one-on-one -on -one situation instead of a hard shot that needs to be perfect to go in. You know what I mean? And I just find yeah. it weird that no one's told them, just, just stand on your line. Let the guy deal with the defenders. Let him take a shot from really far that you should save. 
I, I don't disagree at all. The only thing I'd say, and, and this is speculative, is that it possibly has something to do with with goalkeepers' starting positions, and especially with Edison. Like, you know, he he's out of his box most of the time. City have the ball most of the time. His starting position is really high. That's probably the case with a few other keepers in the league. Maybe that has something to do with it, but it, but I agree with you. Like, they're making it very easy for strikers. Yeah, in this particular situation, he's on his line, and then he just decides, all right. Let's go, boys. Like, bruh. And especially from an angle, like he's sprinting towards the man when maybe his defender could have covered. Like Son, Son's finish for his goal was no more than a weak pass to a to a to a player right next to him. Like, why should why should you give the opposition striker such an easy opportunity to score a goal when he still has to run all the run 18 yards to get to you and deal with the defender? I just and Alex, you're right. It is the starting position, which is why maybe for teams that defend deep, we see their keepers pull off this unbelievable highlight reel of saves because they're actually in their goal making saves yeah. as opposed to this one-on-one that keeps happening with top keepers, right? Mane, to, to your point though, like just watching the Edison's like non-save, so the, the Celso goal, I feel like, like just because of my reference in my head, when De Gea comes out, he comes out and then he stops. You know what I mean? Right. Like, like he comes out a little bit and then he gets himself <laughs> big and stops so he can use his foot. But Edison on both times, he literally just keeps going and then his body trails and it goes under. I'm like, that's so interesting. Because Alisson does that. He comes out and he stops and he yep. forces you to do something. Like, Which is fine because you make the angle smaller. I'm all for that. But yeah, maybe yeah. Edison does it a bit weird where he just runs at you like he's a defender. <laughs> maybe Edison, Edison feels like the closer I get my neck tattoo to the striker, the better <laughs> chance I have of putting him off. But anyways, yeah, I mean, again... We'll move on, but Tottenham deserve, deserved as in they had a plan, they executed it, they did the right thing. Yes, City had all the possession, yada, yada, yada. But at the end of the day, Spurs played way too well to take to take these three points away from them. Yeah, agreed. And a, a huge test next weekend. It's going to be an incredible game, uh, Spurs against Chelsea. It's going to be very, very interesting. Um, right, joint top of the league with Tottenham are Liverpool, of course. Um, Mohamed, you said something along the lines of they're missing Trent, they're missing this guy, they're missing that guy, they're missing all of these players, and they've just battered Leicester 3-0. Liverpool are unstoppable. It's it's depressing. It's actually depressing. They're, they're <laughs> marquee signing in Thiago Alcantara. They're missing their top scorer in Salah and potentially their best player, if not the best player potentially in the league. They're missing um, their best centre-back and the best centre-back potentially in Europe in Van Dijk. You know, they're missing one of the best right-backs in the league. They're missing Henderson, who is absolutely so important for them. It's just like, and then they go and coast 3-0 against Leicester. Like, Leicester are, you know, up there. They're playing well this season, or at least lately, the last couple of games. And you're thinking, this should be a tough, a tough game. And then you get someone like Jota, who Wolves fans were celebrating at 41 million from Liverpool in the summer, which makes sense. I'm like, okay, John is a good player and everything, but 41 million, whoo, hopefully it's not another ox, you know? And he comes in and he has four games, four goals and four games in the league or whatever, and a couple in the Champions League. And you're like, the guy's doing the scouting. Because Bernie, Bernie called out all the inter, all the world-class players earlier at Liverpool. But you look at them, we didn't know any of them. Robertson played for Hull. Trent, I don't know who the hell that is. Yeah, Allison sure for Roma a little bit. like, But he wasn't, you know, he didn't take the, the game by storm. He had a good season at Roma. You know, etc. Henderson is not supposed to be this good. Wijnaldum is not supposed to be this good, etc., etc. Mane from Southampton. Salah from Roma. Like, Firmino from whatever in the, in, in, in the Bundesliga. You're thinking, great, these are all world-class players now. But they were not when they joined. Only, I mean, not even Van Dijk was world class when he joined. None of no. these, other than Fabinho, mm-hmm. other than Fabinho, e- even Fabinho, I can't wasn't. think. No one wanted Fabinho. Like, <laughs> yeah, like he would be maybe the highest play, the highest kind of you know 
rated player Camino, Fabinho, he's a great defensive midfielder, and, you know, Thiago, obviously now, but you think about all these other players, and you're like, meh, I don't know, you know, is this going to be a team that wins the league twice, and, you know, Champions League, and this and that? I think Klopp has done an unbelievable job, and this game was phenomenal, as much as it was depressing. I I, I want to jump in in that, uh, I agree, I agree with everything you said there, it's, their scouting department is unbelievable. And we've all heard about the data analytics side and Michael Edwards and all that. And it's just literally like we talk about checkbooks. Sure. Fine. You can even make the case that they spent a lot of money. Sure. Fine. But they've spent it better than any other club I've ever seen in my, like if in a long, long time and in the right places like Jota, to your point, we didn't think he was going to be like, I thought we thought, you know, squad option, he'll be useful, whatever. Cool. Who cares? But what they've really done, except for Firmino, has been un- absolutely unbelievable. Um, beating Leicester like this, firstly, Leicester, their decline is starting way sooner than, <laughs> than it did last time. So <laughs> there's that agenda that I, that I have. But um, Robertson, best left back in the world. I don't think that's even, like, disputable at this point. Like, it's just unreal what, what what he can do with the well, ball running and crossing too because he puts in a lot of crosses as well people forget that because of Trent um but I also wanted to highlight that in this particular game how many times were there almost like goal line decisions if not for goal line decisions at least like three or four and one that Firmino missed like a chump like <laughs> I can't believe what I saw it was unbelievable well his goal was a very un-Firmino goal he yes it was a corner kick scored it in the in the in the left course like what why and it was like a towering header <laughs> yeah true true but also when he jumped up he smiled and then the and the shine in the keeper's eyes and he just couldn't deal with it but like look at this team man you've got Matip and Fabinho at center back right like one is a defensive midfielder and one is not a very good center back and then you have James Milner at right back and then you have the sub come in um whatever his name Nico, Kurt, and then Nico Williams Curtis Jones in midfield you have Naby Keita who's not playing well starting this game it's just like like what well, Cater got injured as well, which is hilarious. A, because like they didn't need another injury, and B, because Cater's just always fucking injured. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, I, I mean, again, well, you keep saying the same thing about Liverpool every every week, and to be fair, they deserve it. And and, and they're doing it without, you know, people singing You'll Never Walk Alone at them twice a game. Which we and, thought, and was, everyone the, thought was the that was Exactly. Everyone thought it was like, oh, you can't go to Anfield. It's really difficult. They start singing at you. But apparently it doesn't matter at all. 64, 64 consecutive non-losses at Anfield. Man, Sadio Mane has never lost at Anfield since, since Sunday. <laughs> you know what that means? It's, it's his like, teammate. It's his teammate. And again, we talk, we talk about this because we will touch upon it in other games, but system, system, system. Yes, they have good players, but again, system. They went two up or um, before until like the, before the Firmino header based purely on system. This is the same thing over and over. They have the same stuff. They do it and it works and they can replace players and it still works because Klopp has a system in place and he's not relying on just his players having, you know, star games. You know, your system is great when you can just drop Shakiri in and it works. Like that's, <laughs> that's ridiculous. Not that he did this game, but you know what I mean? On, on that note of systems, then, then, then here's a question. Salah's world-class, Mane's world-class, we know that. But it seems like if one misses a game, whatever, Jota. The other one misses a game, whatever, Jota. Like, do, do you think that, like, okay, if you were Michael Edwards and you're like, okay, I can get 150 for one of them, why not? Like, would you sell one of them and then use the money to, like, make the rest of the team even better? Yeah, 
Yeah, I think you would, especially if you win the league this season. I mean, this, that cycle has to end at some point. And if Salah, especially at his age, how old is Salah? He's older than Mane, right? 29, I think it's 20, I think. 20, 29, something like that. Yeah, 100 million for a 29-year-old next year. I think you I think you take it and then you build again. I, yeah, Mane's only what? Mane, well, Mane's 28 too, but Mane seems physically able, so... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a lie you feel is going to reach a point quicker than the thing yeah. is, for, it's, it's more. I don't even know if it's the physical. I just think it's the bothered. Like I feel like Salah is to me. He's over the hill in terms of I'm just not bothered. And I no, 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 no. Salah, Salah has realized he's a superstar. Mane, yes, it's in his head now. <laughs> Mane is so humble. No matter what he does, he will remain humble. But Salah is like. I'm the shit now, boys. Salah <laughs> selling because he went to the wedding. He's like, not even diseases apply to me. Salah selling Pepsi with no shirt on. <laughs> he's a model now. <laughs> but yeah, you're right. I mean, at some point, we're going to have to see what club does with the system, especially when Salah and Mani start to get a bit older. And, you know, we did say, you know, do you... Maybe maybe it's not them. Maybe it's Firmino that you start with and you buy, you know, that center forward. I don't know. Anyways, we talk about this every week. Let's not get into the whole Firmino thing again. <laughs> You know, we'll see if they win the league this season. It's not, it's still tight. It's a topsy-turvy season. They might not. You never know. Maybe. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it looks like if they, can, if they can keep this run going, I mean, they've conceded three goals in seven games, and that's without Van Dijk. Like, if they can keep this going without all these guys and then they get them back, it, it really doesn't look good for everyone else. But, but we will see. All right, what else happened this weekend? Um, on Saturday, Manchester United beat West Brom uh, just. Of course, of course. I'm not. I'm not gonna. Penalty. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna talk about this game. One second, buddy. I'm, I'm gonna throw a stat at you, mm-hmm. uh, and you. And I, I told it to you before, so you, you have a heads up. Mm-hmm. But Bruno has now taken five percent of Manchester United's penalties all time in the Premier League. How many Love penalties it. are you getting, man? <laughs> <laughs> he's he's been there Love ten it. minutes. Love it. Love it. We're actually then, not well, getting well, as many as last season, though. Which he is gets to retake them when he misses them. <laughs> Which is hilarious because early in the season we were like, "Why does the guy? Why? Why? He should only be the one to retake it." <laughs> when Bro, we got sorry, the game the Palace, Bernie, can you really tell me how you on it? You won the game. You have the three points. Nothing says you say now will change that. Yeah. But can you tell me how you feel about the non-penalty decision to West Brom when when Bruno hacked the guy's leg? The interesting thing is, I thought it was a penalty. Like when that's not interesting. That's well, normal. Well, what I mean is, I saw the swipe and I went fucking idiot like and i was on the group chat like get him off and everyone in the group chat was like fuck off it's not a penalty i was like what do you mean and people were showing me clips you know the images of the contact with the ball and the leg and i'm like okay so if that's your point i get it but i thought it was a penalty but the referee looked at it he like because he kicks the ball onto the leg that's what he does there's a feather touch on the ball but like that feather touch on the ball is followed by a hack <laughs> straight. Like the guy's leg literally like you can see it. Like it, it wobbled. He kicked it so hard. See, see, that's the thing for me. It's a penalty in for me because I'm like, it's the hacking motion. It's not like he gets the ball and kicks the ball onto the guy's foot. So, but even then to me, I thought if you get the ball and get the man, it's a penalty. That's just how my brain did it. I just like, The ref said my, he kicked the ball. So, my rule of thumb is like, if you did it on the pavement, and you'd have ended up in jail, it's probably a pen. <laughs> Bro, that is a foul in the middle of the field. No one asks any questions. I can't, when the ref went to see, even the commentators were like, yeah, yeah, there's no point. <laughs> and then the guy overturns it. I'm like, come on. Man. Like, and then the handball again. Like, 
okay, the guy's ha- like the guy's hand is stuck to his to his body. Like, yes, it is up here, but it's stuck to his body. There is no light between his hand and his body. What is he supposed to do? The hilarious part is the handball rule is more like I never thought I would say this, but the handball rule is more obvious than the Bruno penalty rule in that like there's a clear rule of what should happen in this instance. Yeah, like, it yeah, is yeah. penalty. So is like, it? Is it? Because we're gonna talk about the Arsenal no. game. I don't think it is as clear as we think it is. Well, no, just because you didn't get it doesn't make it mean it's not clear. The, the rule simply states if the ball hits your hand in action of preventing a goal, it's a penalty. So you should have well, got the penalty think, as far as I'm concerned, but it I didn't think, happen. I don't think it matters if we think it's clear. I think it matters if the referees think. <laughs> <laughs> but anyways, yeah, so he took his – that penalty was given when the guy's arm was nowhere near – you know, it's a, he can't do anything about it. Then he takes a stupid run-up where he, like, does the stupid stutter, gets mm-hmm. sick. I mean, yes, to be fair, and I have to be fair as well, the keeper was so far away from his line, but then yeah. the keeper himself tweeted that, like, he gets it, but he cannot stop himself with all the jumping and, you know, prancing around that players do now before taking a kick. Like, how do you time, oh, this is the kick now? It's so uh, I, I don't buy that because, like, Jorginho has been doing it and people didn't just jump off their lines like fucking kangaroos all over the place. Like, no, <laughs> like, stay on your line. Like, don't make an excuse. He, it was a good save, like ordinarily whatever but i mean outside of that i thought that this game actually should have been done early like martial missed two really good chances like one that was point blank i couldn't believe it then rashford missed one that was point blank couldn't believe it and like it was just this remember alex i said to you i wanted this to be a boring game it should have been a boring two and ill to united like that's what it should have been on the balance of things but they made it difficult for themselves that said Good defensive performance uh, again out on the back of that six-one loss. It's been good defensive performances throughout. So, how was uh, how was Van de Beek? Uh, showed up for ten minutes. Didn't do anything. <laughs> I was Pogba. Uh, showed up for no minutes and didn't do anything. <laughs> Which is Cavani? typical. <laughs> he was useless. <laughs> like I, no, actually, like like seriously, his first touch is nonsense. Like he's his first touch is nonsense. I've noticed it now, and it's bugging the hell out of me. Like he's he's clearly a runner. Clearly, he's a runner. He's El Matador. Seriously, he just needs to see that red and run around. Like he he's not it. He's not it. I, I, oh I, come on, the man has scored like fifteen hundred goals. Yeah, no, no, I, I don't. I mean, he's thirty five. Like like if he was doing, if he was a runner, right at twenty five, whatever he can run, knock people over, score goals, dink people, whatever. But he's thirty five and doesn't have a first touch. Like that's crazy. That's crazy. Anyways, this game completely ruined my Saturday. Like completely <laughs> ruined my Saturday. It was unbelievable. Like I actually. And it doesn't help that it was United, but I was watching the game and I just could not believe all the series of events that kind of just just happened within that in that game. Like I just couldn't believe it. I was gobsmacked. I was like, I, there was I, only one event, and there was a penalty. That's no, it. but I thought the penalty was not given to to West Brom. I thought the handball could have easily not been given because of where is. But it, but it, but what? It's the rule. That is the rule. Yes, and and I thought. I thought, yes, obviously that when I say the penalty was retaken and it was retaken correctly, but it still ruins your day in the fact that like how many things can go towards one team when they're not playing particularly well and still come away with a three point. It was just annoying. Anyways, point I, is, I, I guess is that I'll just right I, now. I get that. I'll say this. Going. As much as I thought this was a kind of weird, ridiculous, not ridiculous, just weird performance. You have 17 shots, 63% possession. Like on the balance of things with XG, they should have won this game but it should have been a boring workman-like professional performance. And now game in hand, there'll be only four points off the top, which doesn't make sense. That well, it does when you get 17 penalties a game. 
Well, more. <laughs> Give me more. But even though we don't even have the most penalties in the league, though. So we move. Who does? It's not us. I'll tell you that. Hmm. Interesting. Mm. Anyway, uh, another team that are, uh, they're not. Leicester they're, are. Leicester have the most penalties? For how many times have already scored? I don't know. Is anyway. All goals are penalties. <laughs> <laughs> That's a bit under the radar, to be honest. Um, Chelsea, I think they're, what, two points off the top? Another victory this weekend, 2-0 over Newcastle. Newcastle, um, somehow they pick up like a bunch of points, enough to stay up, but they are horrendous. Like, when you watch Newcastle, other than, unless St. Maximan does something cool, they're just so bad to watch. And Chelsea now, three wins in a row. Um, 2-0 against Newcastle, 4-1 against Sheffield United, and 3-0 against Burnley. Now, obviously, those are good results against bad teams, um, very bad teams. But they're picking up some momentum. They're not really conceding now. We talked about the the difference that Mendy has made. Um, do you think that, you know, as I said, they've got Spurs coming off on the weekend. Do you think they've just played some bad teams or do you think they are, they're the real deal? Or becoming the real deal? Chelsea? Yeah. I, I think they're the real deal in the sense that we knew that the only thing they had to do really was fix their defense. We were joking that Frank, that Frank can't coach the defense and he decided to spend on it. And then in terms of Mendy, right? So, and Chilwell. So I think they are the real deal in that sense. Let's see what they do against, is it Spurs they're playing yep. next? I think. Let's yep. see what they do against and then, Spurs. And then they've got, uh, they've got Leeds and I think Wolves after that, or Ever- sorry, Everton and Wolves. So it's getting a bit harder for them. Also, you have Zuma and James playing very well as well. Like, Zuma this season has been killing it, both ends of the field. James has had his good games. Chilwell is Chilwell and Mendy is Mendy, like you said. Also, Kante is starting to play in Kante's position, which mm. sounds very simple, but it uh-huh. took a year to do or whatever. So now you put, you know, the little energizer buddy running around, cutting all these balls from getting to actually Zuma and Rudiger. <laughs> Then it makes absolute sense, you know, as opposed to playing with Jorginho there or whoever it is. And now he's starting to realize his best formation. And also he, the thing we talked about every week, and we told him, you need the big guy because, and this game was perfect example. Werner, chance after chance after chance after chance. The one good thing he did this game was on Give the... to at Tammy. Yeah, took the ball from halfway line, used his space, ran through two players, and just laid it off to the big guy on a plate. And that's all he needs to do. Yes, if he can score a couple of goals in the process, great. But he will not play that center striker, and he's not going to carry the team that way. Tammy or Giroud need to play. And, you know, this game was exactly why why that needed to happen. And you could see it. It just He missed some unreal chances, Vernon. There was one which was literally open goal. Just like, just done. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I don't know what the hell he was doing. Well, we actually saw both of the big men this weekend because Tammy Abraham played the full 90 minutes and Giroud came on towards the end as well. A rare glimpse of the Frenchman who has been linked with a move away. I don't know. I, I feel like every two years he says, well, Deschamps says, I need you to play first-team football. And Giroud says, oh, I need a move. I must play first-team football. And it's like, everyone knows he's going to be in the French team anyway. And everyone knows that first-team football doesn't make any difference as to whether he plays well for France or not. So I don't know why anyone cares. Well, he has he has seven more goals to go. That's literally to, to, to be Henri's record. So he literally, that's his goal in life right now. He needs these seven goals. Imagine imagine retiring as France's top goal scorer, Olivier Giroud. Oh, boy. Imagine I, if Deschamps, as the sociopath, just, like, drops him after he gets close. I have an yeah. idea. And my idea is get, bring him back for the last dance at, at, at the Emirates. Uh, he would be a massive improvement. 
anything. That's, that's, why, anything I, that's why I'm saying it. It would be an improvement, but also imagine that documentary. <laughs> We've lost Alex. Alex is off screen now. He's on the killed. floor. I've been killed. Shrew <laughs> would be an upgrade to help me, man. <laughs> Our listeners can't see this, but Alex is on the floor. <laughs> We sold him like three years ago. We brought him back. He'd be an upgrade. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, we could we could move on to speaking oh. with Arsenal if you want. Oh my god! I mean, I'm not I'm not sure what there is to say to be honest. But um, I, I would like to give this one to Alex because I'm just in no mood to discuss this. Um, uh, <laughs> let's let's talk about. Oh, the, the the phases of this game, I suppose. One one which is where it's eleven against eleven, and Leeds dominate possession and shots, and Leeds turn into a rugby team because they don't seem to understand that the ball has to go under the bar, and they keep smacking it over the bar, even despite you know fifteen brilliant chances, and they're popping it around, and Arsenal are letting them, and uh, you know not doing anything, going the other way, and then uh, your favourite friend and mine, Nicola Pepe decides because he's frustrated at being rubbish at football and frustrated at the way his Arsenal career has gone in that it hasn't, he headbutts someone called Alioski, um, who sounds annoying and apparently is and was riling him up all game. And, you know, I, I understand. I understand his frustration. I understand his frustration. His life is not panning out. His team is bad. And just you know, he felt the need to headbutt someone, and he did. And you know what? Arsenal got better. Arsenal got better. <laughs> when you, went went off. you did. They you almost won the started, game. Started creating chances. Saka came on. He was brilliant. Uh, you know, he and Bellerin nearly combined for a brilliant goal. If Saka had maybe a bit more experience or played up front a bit more, maybe he takes that chance. And it, you know, it was a bit naive the way he tried to go around the keeper. But you know, Arsenal should have lost that game four or five nil. And and it, it's. What does it say when you know your your record signing by a mile goes off on 58 minutes and the team gets better? It, I mean, it's bizarre. Well, we, I mean, on Saka, Saka is not just a chance. He came on and we changed, man. It's like this 18-year-old is showing us all how it's done, and he came on and we beca- with 10 men, and he be- and we just became a whole different team. He knows when to go forward. He knows when to be at the back. He knows when to calm down the play. He knows when to speed it up. It's like, how do you get that experience at 18? It's unreal. He, and, you know, he's forcing himself into the English squad now. And he's playing more and more games. And that's on merit. Not just, you know, these were important games. They're not just friendlies. You know, he he came on. And I think a minute in, he put in a delicious cross for someone right away. And it just started to click. And you could see the Leeds players were standing off. Like, he has that aura around them already. And it was phenomenal to see that as a substitute coming on, you know, 18 year old, 18 years old. And I was amazed by that. And Pepe really, you know, it's crazy to say, but I wish my 72 million signing was as good as my 18 year old Academy play. That's, also, that's where we are right now. You were scared that Pepe would be just another Jovino. Jovino better <laughs> than Jovino Pepe had was. about six goals by now. Like at least Jovino entertained you a little bit. Like this is ridiculous, but it's it's crazy, man. And even Aubameyang is not he's not there. He can see he's not he's playing out wide. To this game, he played central, but he's just not there. He I don't know. It's just that the flair is a bit missing. And you know, the the only good thing in our team right now 
is really Gabriel at center back, which is a phenomenal signing for like 23 million. People are saying Lille got the got the receipts mixed up. He's a 72 million player with Pepe at 20 million. And Kieran Tierney, great at left back. And Leno, again, this game, showing why he's one of the best in the league. He just, he saved us, man. Like Alex said, we should be 4-0 down. Well, well, well to, so I, I want to run through the stats because, you know, Leno did have, I think, one really good save. But... For example, Leno wasn't what saved you. Leeds being rubbish at finishing. They yes. had 25 shots and only four were on target. Three that's posts. Dis- that's disgust. Oh, wait, because the posts don't even count as on target, right? Like, yeah. like no. it's ridiculous. And even they had 66% of the ball. Yes, mostly a red card, but it was about 55, 45 by the time. And it's just like 25 shots and only four at Leno. That's disgusting. Like I, I don't, I don't, I don't appreciate that as a, as a neutral. You, you know, you know, the stat that, you know the stat that I actually like to look at that that is never used is actually goal kicks. I love to see the goal kick stats to see which which end of the field the game was at. Arsenal had mm-hmm. seventeen goal kicks to Leeds to six. It shows you the attempts that Leeds had over and over and over in our goal compared to what we had on them. And again, William playing just slow and uninventive, and you know he. I'm so sorry. He's just. Well, he got subbed. Off, he's got subbed at half time, which was like really good news. Yeah, but like it was weird because uh, the commentator was like, "Yes, we've confirmed that it was tactical, not an injury." But at, after the game, they were like, "Yeah, it's an injury." It's like they realized that embarrassing him wasn't a good idea. The injury <laughs> is that he's an old git. That's the injury. Like, I, I, I think. Well, well Bernie, yeah. Bernie, Bernie, let me put it in context for you. Sure, please, because I have a thought, but I, I'm... Yeah. Me, me and Alex have watched Arsenal for eight hours straight, <laughs> seeing a goal from open play. Mm-hmm. So that's like sitting at noon, turning on the TV, have Arsenal play till 8 p.m. and not see a goal scored. This is a professional team, supposedly one of the better ones in the league. Hasn't scored an open play goal in eight hours of football. So With eight... What's the we problem? Scored, we've scored nine goals all season. That is less than Son. You'd think what, you'd, you'd what, score one by accident here? in that amount of time. The problem here, you want to know the problem, problem? I'll tell you the problem. Here are more stats for you. Shaka, Ceballos, and Willock are playing the three in midfield. Mm-hmm. You know how many times they pass the ball to each other? Three times. You know how many each Between of them? Between the three of them? Yes. You know how many times they pass the ball to Aubameyang? Mm-hmm. Twice. You know how many times Rob Holding and Gabriel pass the ball to each other at the 1500. back? 1,500. Actually, once. Not even have build-up. There isn't even build-up. So that's not necessarily a... I mean, like, if there's no build-up, right? Like, to me, if Pyramid, Pirlo, and Partey are playing, I have witnesses, like, you're going to pass the ball more, right? Like, this is, this is my assumption. However, even when they've been playing, like, it's not been gangbusters creating stuff. And you look at it, and I only bring this up, not for banter, but just to bring it up because it's a conversation to be had. Unai Emery's record, 29 games, and Arteta's record, 29 games. It's a stark difference. You mean, and you we mean, know those mean, first 29 games of, of Unai Emery were madness. Like, you guys, we even thought, okay, this is different. Like, remember those games? You were 22 games on B10. You were doing really well. It was kind of crazy. Tore Arsenal fans around. were singing, we've got our Arsenal back. Yeah. Like so, it was. It's a bit of an outlier in that that was probably nuts <laughs> and not reflective of reality. But forty-four percent win rate for Arteta is not very good. Top, and I top, think it's, you mean, it's not his you, fault, and it is his fault at the same time because the Ozil thing 
would help a bit, but also not signing someone when you know he's not going to play doesn't help either. But there's so many deficiencies, and I don't think he's going to fix them. Well, you sold, you sold Ramsey, Cazorla, Ozil, right? These three are non-existent anymore. These are literally the only three players worth their salt in any sort of creative ability in midfield. All three are gone. Mm-hmm. I haven't replaced them with anyone. You know, you have Joe Willick out there trying to do stuff. Like, it's not going to work. And, you know, <laughs> our defense is better, granted. But we've, we're past that now. Arsenal fans are done with the fact that we are okay in defense. Great. Two, you know, two clean sheets in a row, whatever. But we're tired of that. Now we want, okay, any sort of continuation in midfield. We have zero ability to progress the ball from the back to the front. Zero. We don't have any tippy-tappy. We don't have any through balls. We don't have anything. It's all counter if you're lucky or nothing. And you don't see where it's going to come from. And Pep is not the answer. And definitely William is not. And you're like, this is going to be a long season because this is not changing anytime soon. Alex, I'm curious because... Mm. Um, so, William is old. Pepe is shit. Saka is young. And we expect him to be good. But of course, young players is, you know, growing pains and stuff. Aubameyang, we don't know what his mood is. Like, it's not actually an easy fix of just bring Ozil back or buy someone creative and it all, you know, comes in there's, there are four issues there. Oh, yeah. That's nuts, isn't it? It, it is a bit. I mean, what, what's weird is that, you know, you go back to last season and you, you kind of thought the issues were being solved. Like, first, you've got the defensive issues. So we solved that by, you know, collective organization, that kind of thing. Uh, and now you've got the creative thing. And to Mohamed's point, like, all those creative players went out the window. And it was very much papered over by Aubameyang scoring somehow regardless the same the goal last... every game by the way yeah well for the but but for the Tuck last couple inside, of years boom. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean yes or like tap-ins at the far post right but that that covered the the creative players one by one going out the window and you you kind of look at it and you think the club must have thought we don't need to replace these people because we're scoring goals anyway and and that clearly wasn't the case um and so now you've got the situation where you have like no creativity in the team. Can you replace it internally with Ozil? No. Clearly, like the, the politics have gone too far. Everyone's too deeply entrenched. Ozil is a social media warrior now. And you don't want to rely on him anyway. And we can't rely on Yeah. And he's leaving at the end of the season. Forget it. Like it's not, it's not happening. Um, he's now embroiled in a Twitter war with Piers Morgan. Um, Gunasaurus has been hired back, except it's a different bloke. Like, you know, that's all popping it's up. It's a different guy? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> to the point about Obama Yang's mood, I really feel like the, the firing of Gunnosaurus might have been the catalyst for this, down, this downturn in form. It's been horrendous. Um, I, I don't know. I, to be honest, I don't know. Like, we can sit here and, and, and guess, and you can say that like bringing an AWAR or another creative player in might But AWAR is deeper as well. Like, Bro, why is everyone that we're, we're, we're associated with so hard to pronounce? AWAR and then that dude from Salzburg. Just call him Soz. Um, can, can, I, can I read you your fixtures? Uh, Except yes, for Mulder, yeah. we'll forget that. And, Bernie, and the, th- the thing is, if, if, if the fixtures are against, <laughs> if the fixtures are against teams, then it's going to be difficult. No, but this this is just funny. Okay. You have Wolves as a serious team coming up. You have Tottenham away, Burnley, whatever. Like. Or maybe not, whatever. I don't know. Uh, then you have Southampton. Then you have Everton. Then you have City in the AFL. Then you have Chelsea. Are Brighton good? Sometimes. They play, so, they play better football than we do. The next time you play 
um, a team, let me, let me say Brighton aren't good, okay? A team that's not that good is December 28th. That's madness, <laughs> Merry man. Merry Christmas. That's madness. I'm loving it, but it's madness. <laughs> to, to be Arteta, fair. Arteta's going to come under a lot of pressure this month. A lot. He, he is. But remember what we said last week, which is, or maybe it was the week before, that he does tend to, and Arsenal do tend to, perform better in bigger games. So this may not actually be a bad thing. <laughs> bad thing. Yeah, well, we can't score, Alex. Like, yes, we, we play better defensively, but we cannot score. Yeah, true. I don't know. We'll, like, we'll, we weren't going to we'll score against United. Like, we, 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 you know, we got the penalty. Great. But, like, we need to score goals. And it's not even about points anymore. It's about entertainment now. Like, it's so boring tuning into our games. Absolute drone fest. It's true. It's true. Anyway, we'll, we'll stop our drone fest and we'll move on. Although, I, I will say that, Bernie, the, the one fixture that stood out to me as you read it was Southampton. Because Walcott's there and he's back in form and he's going to score against us. <laughs> if it's, he does, oh, mate. Oh, mate. We'll let us banter. And then Everton, we, everything will happen. We'll be a right wing back. <laughs> yeah, let's let's talk about Everton because I mean I know it's Fulham, but like you know they found a way to win, and as you said, it included a Wobie, a right wing back. Yeah, and Richardson came back, um, which is good for them. And then you know Dinia with his regular delivery service to you know Dinia rule or whatever. <laughs> the same goal two times, like yeah, yeah. And then you have DCL killing it. You know, after his England games, he came back two goals in the first 29 minutes. He is the fastest player to 10 goals in a season, I think, if that, if I, if one has shared that stat, remember? It's uh, very impressive. Yeah, yeah. Up there with great players. How much would you pay for him? I mean, you, you would have to pay upwards of 80 million. Fucking hell. Yeah, I mean, ne- never mind then. You, no, ne- never to. mind then. Yeah, you would, because Everton don't have to sell, but yeah. Yeah. Uh, He's only 23, but, guys. But this is the thing. He's 23. Look, he's always been huge and quick. And then over the last year, he's seen, well, not even year, like this season, he's added goals. The thing is, like, it's, it, it, there's potential for a Kane-esque trajectory. Like, Kane didn't start doing this until 21, 22 as well. But if he goes on and has another five, six, seven seasons with this or roundabout this kind of level... He's got a better team. Right? Yeah, like think, think of 80 million, no problem. Think of what happens when Chelsea need to upgrade. Let's say Giroud leave and Tammy, you never know, whatever. Tammy's good, but he's no world beater. And then they, you know, bring in someone in this mold who is a much better Tammy and, and, and Giroud, you know? Imagine that guy. Imagine imagine Arsenal need some sort of a, a strike. <laughs> you know, I'm just saying, like, he he has options. He will have options soon if he as keeps... As long as he doesn't make the same mistake of, of Harry Kane staying at Everton for his whole career because he's one of their own or something. Like, the the first chance of the move, make the move. Like Bernie, take the deal. <laughs> yes. Take the deal. Yes. Speaking because of which, once, once Spurs collapse and Harry Kane's upset because Mourinho's fought with him, he'll, he'll, this renaissance he thinks is happening, he'll be very upset about it. <laughs> also, I mean, I, we don't need to talk about their game, but Villa lost this weekend and, and Grealish is now being linked with Man City, but like, it's a bit too late because he just signed a five-year deal. That'll be 85 million. Like, if not more. Straight up. Yeah. yeah. Also, also important to know that Fulham... Uh, missed their like hundredth penalty of the season. This team find new ways to be ridiculously, and it's always a different, always a different taker. By the way, different Sorry, guys. Can I can I read you the stat because it's hilarious? Yes. So in terms of the <laughs> the penalties in the league, Leicester are, are top with eight, and they've scored seven. Fulham are second with four, 
and they've scored one. Man United, Liverpool, Chelsea all have four and they've scored three. And like, I just looked at the, the everything is like, okay, whatever, whatever. And I look at Fulham, one yeah. out of four. <laughs> that sackings need to happen. But sorry, you said Leicester have eight. Leicester have that's, eight that's, counties and scored seven. They've played nine games for fuck's sake. That's what I'm saying. You're well, wasn't there that one game where Vardy scored like three penalties? Against City, didn't he score two? Yeah, there was something like that. Yeah, they've got eight penalties. They've got double everyone else. Just don't go near them in the box. They won't score eight out of nine chances. Just leave them alone. That's what happens when you play with speed up front. I guess. Anyway. Um, what were we talking about? Fulham, Everton? No, we don't yeah. need to talk about that anymore. Because it's, it's a... Well, Fulham are going to go down. Ruben Loftus cheek. I don't know what the hell he's doing there. He's so shit. He's awful, he is. man. He is. He is he's just, honestly, I think we've said this before, but if he wasn't massive and handsome he wouldn't have a career simple as that Chelsea fans uh, tried to sell him as like you know he's just injured and he's great like what rubbish no, no. who's that other guy that is in Newcastle that is, was supposed to be good and now he's there Fraser <laughs> so see when I was watching the Newcastle highlight I could have sworn I thought it was Ruben Loftus cheek are you talking about Callum Wilson <laughs> no man I know Callum Wilson I'm talking about Isaac Hayden uh, he might have, yeah, it's probably Isaac Hayden. He's an Arsenal graduate, isn't he? Yeah, but he was just yeah, like yeah. a solid DM. Like, exactly, but I, in, the, in the highlights, he was so far forward all the time. I was like, is Ruben lost his cheek? <laughs> you... was, was, Isaac <laughs> like, Hayden, was Isaac Hayden... Um, Shit, mis- yes. No, was he misunderstood to be Kieran Gibbs or, or Ox at some point? <laughs> Ox, no, he's way too, way too big and better looking. <laughs> no, although he did once do an interview in which he talked almost exclusively about his love for Nando's. That was good. Genius. I do that a lot. Even Santos. Remember Santos in the kebab <laughs> shop? Yeah. It's like unreal. Uh, um, what else let's... happened? Uh, Wolves drew with Southampton. Theo Walcott scored a goal and said he feels like a kid, uh, which is nice. He looks like one too. Um, <coughs> Burnley beat Crystal Palace. I, whatever. Um, and oh yeah, West Ham won again. Um, some someone tweeted that um, the the British government are close to allowing four thousand people back into stadiums if the stadium what is it if the stadium's not in a red zone or whatever yeah they have tier they have tiers so london is a tier two covid situation so two thousand fans would be allowed in each stadium i guess and some places are tier what's a what's a what's a red zone like there's a lot of brothels around what is a red zone (laughs) yeah amsterdam is a massive red zone yeah um but yeah, I think four thousand. All it all it would take is four thousand fans back in in West Ham Stadium to make them bad again. Like they've really <laughs> enjoyed not having their fans there. Oh man, they've loved it because do you remember when the stadium opened up and it was huge? It was like, yeah, let's go, and they were so horrendous. And they were abusing the directors. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh man, but anyways, Moisey, 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 doing his thing. Yeah. Uh, um, Aston Villa lost. To Brighton. So, yeah. you guys see the stat about Aston Villa losing three 0 to like whoever, four 0 to someone, and then and then Arsenal in between where they beat us like three 0 It was beautiful. <laughs> um, so they conceded like nine goals in three games, and then in the middle there just beat us three 0 You know, just in passing. Oh, Danny Welbeck with a much better finish than Lacazette. <laughs> us, you know, and, year and four a half. times the pace. <laughs> yeah, he finally yeah. got his chip over the goalkeeper. Yep. After 10 yeah. years, it, 10 years have passed since he tried it at Neuer. <laughs> it's hard when you have like 15 size boots. Seriously. Like 
honestly, I watched at Arsenal, you know, I look at little details and I looked at Welbeck's foot and it's so big. I'm like, how do you play football? Like, it's hard, man. Yeah. And then you find Ceballos. <laughs> yeah, absolute, absolute duck, just duck, <laughs> duck running around. Uh, um, that, that, that'll do it for the Premier League. Mohanad, did you watch Barcelona this weekend? Um, I followed. I didn't watch, but I followed their game against Atleti. Which okay. Was, uh, jokes, massive jokes. I have seen this online being described as potentially somewhat of a changing of the guard. I, was it that seminal? Well, what happened was 18-year-old, whatever his name is, what's that young midfielder? Fatty? No, no, no. Real, much even younger. Oh, Pedri. Yeah. He did the after-the-game interview with the press. Why? Kind of like disconnected the old guard dark from just like being involved in anything. Like wow. he Messi, blah, blah, blah. They just sat there and this little kid gave the, you know, losing one nil to Atleti. Like it's it, it just it it summed up everything going on at the club right now. Pique got injured and he messed up um, for the goal that Carrasco, mm, the little piece of skill to nutmeg. Um, what's his name? The keeper. Uh, Ter Stegen. But, but Ter Stegen, wait, is this the game where he just rushed out his line as well? But he was already like he was already so far forward. That's the problem because Mars had the ball so comf- comf- comfortably and then Pique just gave it away, man. It just didn't make any sense. But anyways, yeah, it was it was bad, man. Like the, the they're so again. It, this week seems to be all about being uninspired. They were so uninspired, man. Like Messi's walking; he hasn't scored an open goal in like years, you know, from like a from an open. Um, I mean, that that genuinely is shocking. Is it's genuinely shocking? No, and, and you know it's not. You know it's not age or or getting work. Like it's genuinely just a, a lack of inspiration or a lack of function. The guy's down tools, and I respect him for that. This, this is <laughs> the most respect I ever have for Lionel Messi in my entire life. Man has literally said, "I don't give a shit," and you're gonna play me anyway. And they're gonna arrest him for the trip to Kiev because of the schedule overload. <laughs> Messi's like, "Fuck off! I'm not going to Ukraine." <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, he's like, I ain't going nowhere, bro. It was like when Ozil stopped making away trips. He's like, absolutely not. No way. Yeah, Messi's like, I am not traveling all the way there getting corona. Like, I don't even like you guys. What the hell am I traveling there for? Yeah, but also, also they come, like, when they hired Kuman, like, this didn't this dude, like, go, like, 10 games, like, without a win for, like, Southampton or whatever it was? Oh, Kuman is not a good manager. Yeah, he, he, he's, he did a decent job with, with the Netherlands, which Frank de Boer is now royally screwing up. But other than that, there is not, you know, Southampton was his, his best achievement, basically, and they were quite good. And that's it. The, the only, again, he, he's Barcelona manager because he once played for Barcelona. That, that's really the only qualification he has. And he'll be out as soon as the elections are done. We, I mean, we've talked about this. The question is whether, whether the election makes any difference to Messi. That's the question. Barcelona is now, uh, sorry, uh, Guardiola is staying at Manchester City. They will take Messi if he says, I'm done. The question is whether the elections make you it. Know, you know what I was thinking recently? I think Messi might actually end up in a situation where he has no club unless he really lowers his wage demands. I, City, there was rumors coming out recently that they just, they kind of stopped thinking about that um, a little bit. Like it's not as a priority as it was last summer. Um, and then when you think about that, you're like, what's left? Maybe PSG? I think you could have a, to your point, Monet, you could have a situation where Messi says, I'm only going to play unless like I'm happy. Like either you pay me all I want or yeah. I'm going to go back to wherever it was in Argentina and like chill on my money. Because he doesn't what, need new boys. Money. 
No, yeah, because he kept he said many, many, many times that he wants to play there before he retires. So if you don't pay him in Europe what he wants, might, might as well go back to Argentina and just have fun. Yeah, I would really like to see him in the Premier League just to be able to, to have done that, you know. But uh, yeah, but then Stoke have to get back up though. Like that's true. To, or at least play them in the FA Cup. At least one of those two things has that. I mean, it would be best in the EFL Cup, like the least yeah mission that matters and it's raining and it's on a tuesday like that would just the whole universe would blow up like if the sun is shining you have to cancel the game (laughs) (laughs) um yeah or you know whatever and if pep puts him on the bench for that game he gets arrested he cannot (laughs) deny us this yes at Um, least plant the clouds for rain or something Barcelona are sitting uh, 13th in the league. That is amazing. 11 points out of eight games. That's, you know, that's phenomenal. Um, but let's talk quickly about Villarreal, man. Unai Emery, you know, was at top of the table a week ago. 1-1 versus Real Madrid. The dude is killing it. Absolutely. <laughs> the pain in Monaco. <laughs> I can't do this. This podcast Bro. has been great, guys. Thanks for a great evening. Arsenal, we Arsenal never said he was a bad manager. We Arsenal, just said he couldn't speak English, and it was a problem. Arsenal will never be about which manager or which players. It is systematically rotten from the inside. <laughs> and unless something core changes, it will be the same bullshit over and over. But anyway. You want to know how bad Arsenal are in terms of the system? The only thing Una Emery has ever done in his life is win the Europa League multiple times and you fuck that up in the final. That's how that's how you know it's you and not him. <laughs> oh man. Happy man. You know what? I'm glad we can spread some joy because me and Alex are not getting any. You know what the best thing about that final was? Azerbaijan who hosted the game, said, sorry, you can't bring Mkhitaryan here. I know he's one of your players and, you know, you qualified for the final and he's an important part of your team, but you can't bring him here because of political reasons. And Arsenal said, yeah, okay. <laughs> and then lost. Well, we might as well have gone out on some false thing. <laughs> yeah. But I don't know, I haven't been following, but I've seen Real Sociedad are top of the league with like a of 17 they've won the last five so have Atleti they're both flying Atleti actually have two games in hand uh, so if they win both of those they'd be topped by three points like La Liga is very different this year very interesting well you've got Yanuzai killing it and you've got Oyarzabal killing it you've got David Silva back to his full pomp for them (laughs) and Nacho Monreal left back this is a team man so you're saying I can sign Yanuzai for 80 million in about a year and bring yeah, Yanuz, Yanuz is a weird one, man. Him, him and Odegaard. Yeah, well, Odegaard started for Real Madrid this weekend, so they, that's true. Making that's big true. moves. Did Real Madrid stu- start like like three youth players in midfield or something? They, uh, I thought they, it was Cruz, uh, Odegaard, and Modric. So are the opposite of that, Bernie. Oh right, <laughs> <laughs> two old gits and a child. <laughs> It was Mar- Mariano was up front. That's what I was thinking. And uh, Vasquez, okay. and Vasquez. Yeah, Eden Hazard had zero sass on target, zero dribbles. And then. <laughs> <laughs> but how many cakes did he have? That is the stat. Yeah. You can weigh, you can weigh him in cakes. <laughs> oh, man. He is um, cake. What else happened? Yeah, Italy quickly, very quickly, because I want to talk about Zlatan. Oh, Serie A is on fire right now, man. Yeah, so make so we can start with Roma actually. Make it okay. Pedro, you know, the the gang, the gang is playing, and 
unreal stats from Mkhitaryan. Five goals in his last two games, two goals this last game, one absolute rocket into, you know, that beautiful ball set up and then, you know, great goal. Um, you know, Borja Mayoral is playing for them up top, Rodrigo, Pedro. It's just, I don't know what's going on with these guys, man, but they're, they're pulling it out the back. They, they have a good manager. Um, they have a, a good little system there, 3-4-2-1, which is interesting. Not many teams do it and do it well. They've got the old guys up front. Well, Mayoral is, is younger, but he's coming in for Dzeko. And it's just a really interesting team right now. I mean, it's hard to say how good they are and how whether it's a kind of whether it's damning on the league that these guys like Pedro and Mkhitaryan are, yes. are absolutely smashing yes, it. That's um, right. Well, yeah, it, it possibly, but then you know, no, I was gonna say, but we're gonna go on to Milan and and Zlatan at 40 is, is, is absolutely <laughs> killing it. He's he's just like rinsed Koulibaly, who's supposed to be one of the best defenders in Europe. <laughs> but, but, I, I, Alex, Alex, I think that word supposed to be is very important because I keep yeah. seeing Koulibaly getting rinsed and no one's saying anything about it, yeah. like it happens too much. <laughs> it really does. That said, he is next to Manolas, who's a useless truck. Did did Napoli get Bakayoko? Yep. From Milan? I think he was still owned by Chelsea. Yeah, he was on loan at Milan. and uh, He's at Napoli? He, he got a red card this game for Napoli. Yep. Um, but Ibrahim was, like we said, killed it. Um, but yeah, like, it was just... Uh, it was... I don't know. Milan are top of the league. Gazidis is AC Milan. So we've got Gazidis and Emery killing it. <laughs> and Mkhitaryan. Santi <laughs> Cazorla was one of the best players in Europe last season for Villarreal. This is the best part of my, best part of my life. You're going to bring back Giroud um, as an upgrade. Gazidis is killing it. Emery is killing it. Oh my God. Yeah, but Zlatan is, uh, Zlatan is playing so well. Man. Two goals. Just like rolling back the years. If you look at his stats from his last... I think something like 16 Serie A games with the end of last season. He's got like more goals than games or something, one and one, something insane like that. Um, yeah, he's been he's been phenomenal for them. Um, Teo Hernandez is playing very well for Milan mm-hmm. as well, very well. That's someone that if they do need to sell, could go for big, big money. He's Ooh. Teo Hernandez. He's uh-huh. ex Real Madrid, brother of Lucas Hernandez, who was at Bayern. He's I thought he was supposed to leave. Phenomenal but... left back. Yeah, he was he was supposed to leave, but I don't think they could do the deal, and they're lucky they kept him. Yeah, hmm. You know who's really fun to watch, uh, and I kind of tune in when they're on the zone is Inter. They're all over the place. I, I, yeah, I enjoy it. Like, like I like the Lukaku, Sanchez, Vidal, Hakimi. Like, I enjoy the. I don't know. Like, they're just they seem a lot of fun to watch, and every time I watch them, I'm having fun. I'm not bored. So I every time now they're on, I tune in, and this game was no different. They were. Um, let me make sure I get this right. They were 2 nil down to Torino, right? The second minute and then ended the game for, for two winners. So, you know, this is without Martinez. Um, he only came on at the end and scored a goal. So it was, they're a lot of fun to watch. And Lukaku is, yeah, he's actually doing very well. It is genuinely his team. Like he is the kind yeah. of the, the leader there. You can see in the way that they play and the way that they celebrate goals and the way that he, he talks to the other players. Yeah, they're they're such a calamity otherwise, like especially defensively now. Like I, I don't know what these guys are doing. Like they've conceded the most of any of those teams, um, in the top, even the top ten. Um, well, except for Atlanta, who we know are just gung ho all the time. Mm. Um, but guys, Sassuolo are second. What is going on here? Dominica like, Baradi is having a bit of a time. 
Someone always has to have a time, whether it's freaking Immobile or so, some someone in Syria has a time. I have to say, though, I have to say, and this is just a little bit coming back to Inter, is that they still have the best and most suited name for uh, goalkeeper in the history of goalkeepers in Handanovic. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. very good. Like, how can you be a keeper and have Hand in your name? Well, we've got a keeper Hand. called Hand and a keeper called Kepa. I mean, what do you want? Exactly. <laughs> Do we have any football, any striker that have like foot or shoot in their name? Probably in another language. We yeah, probably. But also, uh, speaking of, I just remember when I said striker, Haaland won the Golden Boy, yep. uh, beating players like what Sancho and a couple others. Um, so yeah, that, let's see actually this list. Golden. Oh, it's Golden. a good list actually. I'm worried yeah. about this search. Haaland is going to obliterate goal scoring records, especially like Champions League, League if he keeps it up. Yeah. Like it's ridiculous. I can't uh, wait till we till we we have a discussion about whether or not uh, he's better striker than Zlatan with his goal ratio in Bundesliga. You know, by the time he's done. Uh, is this list correct here? Did they actually trying to see this list? We can't see it, Manad. Oh wow, Haaland is first, and then Fatih once was second. That's and nonsense. Davies third. Afonso. Sanso fourth. Kamavinga fifth. He's making some. Uh, some talk, and then a guy Kulisevsky at Juventus that I don't yeah. actually know who he is. Phil Foden, I love that. So post Sly Saka, and then Vinicius Junior, Ferran Torres, Mason Greenwood. Greenwood. Vinicius Junior is just there because he plays for Real Madrid. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I swear. And and what's his name? Um, Fati should not be in the top five. No chance. And guys, guys, let's focus on no the positives here. We've got Jonathan David at seventeen. Get in. Scored his first, first goal, goal this weekend. Yeah. Yeah. For Leo. Yeah. So that is a big one for a Canadian to be in the top anything. In Two soccer. Canadians. Right. Yeah. Very good. Anyway. The second Canadian. Alfonso. Oh, of course. Of course. And yeah. Americans. That's North America. MLS coming coming for it. Sick, bro. <laughs> we should we should get we should get um, what's his name from Chelsea to do the interview. Pulisic. <laughs> yeah, Pulisic. Yeah, yeah. Bro. The new USA chant can be like, we're not number one, but we're like in the top ten. Is he actually a Trump supporter? Pulisic? I, I've heard this rumor. He's from Philly, isn't he? They, they came out for Biden. West, oh, okay. Yeah, sure. Good. It's good, worth good. investigating. <laughs> if, if we could have a reason to hate him, that would be <laughs> West West Philadelphia, born and raised. <laughs> all right. We'll end it here, and then we'll all go off and do the rest of the rap, because you know that's what we're going to do now. Yes. Yeah. All right. Bye, lads. Bye. Bye. For downloading the Koshcast. Get in touch at underthekoshblog at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at under underscore the kosh. And for articles, predictions, and the full experience, go to underthekoshblog.com. Yeah.